Mercury book. Yeah, yeah, it's just this film makes you so emotional. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Check for Trouse. Today we are sponsored by Justin Trudeau's Boot Polish. I'm Aaron and this is Josh, and today we'll be reviewing Green Book. I actually thought that the sponsor for this show was going to be KFC, being the magical food stuff which cures all racism and I was bridges actually... the gaps between different underprivileged groups, but no, Justin Trudeau, perfect. Justin Trudeau, I mean, in, in commemoration of the, the fourth blackface video coming out today, I, I thought, you know, what better than Justin Trudeau brand boot polish, the, the thickest layering available on the market, ladies and gentlemen. This was a unique experience for me because it at what, all at once it was all of the things that we joke about movies about overcoming racism being. It was all of those things. Then it was also the opposite of everything that people said it was. And it also tried to put a twist on the formula in a way that didn't transcend how offensive they, they normally are is and it, it was also hilarious because yes. I mean I think we, we intended to watch this in the cinema and then our sort of like enthusiasm really waned as the reviews mm. came in and yeah no I again I watched it I was like well this did win the best picture Oscar yeah it was just uh, 10 to 15 minutes of Italian accents <laughs> thinly veiled or sometimes not veiled at all race hate interesting fact here they, so no one asked Viggo Mortensen put on weight he did that himself he, he, <laughs> he wanted he felt like he was a poser until he gained loads of weight and I don't know what that says about his perception of like 70s era or 60s era Italian Americans but... was it also was it all completely improv that his character just loved eating food. No, that was real. Uh, but and again, like I, if you look at pictures of Tony Tony Vellalonga, he he is a big man. Mm. But he looks nothing like. It wasn't like by becoming big, Vigo made himself look like him. I guess he just did it as like a yeah a piece of method. I think if you have to spend your entire career being as sexy as you can even when you're playing a, you know, like, communist doomer like he did in Captain Fantastic. It's probably a wonderful excuse to just eat 26 hot dogs and say that you're doing so for the role. Yeah. I would, I would love an excuse to just become four times as large as I am. <laughs> well, interesting fact, actually, in that hot dog scene, he ate 15 hot dogs because he they offered to, for him to throw them up after after chewing on them. And he said, A, that's wasteful, and B, throwing them up is actually more disgusting than just eating them. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm the, good. there's going to be loads of weird interjections. No, no, that, like that. That, that's brilliant. It's just like, <laughs> Vigo, Vigo, look at me. You don't have to do this, okay? It's like, look, I'm playing a character. It's like, Vigo, we're not even rolling. Just don't do the accent, okay? There's no need to eat this many hot dogs. I'll eat as many hot dogs as I fucking want, okay? I'm not going to throw them up. That's but then Nick Vellalong is there behind him, like, keep doing the accent. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird time where you can take the stories your dad told you turn them into an oscar-winning film written and or directed by the guy who did dumber and dumber you know you mentioned the first 15 minutes the first 15 minutes was just tony valalonga and i i felt bad because i know that this was a, a you know a moralizing tale of overcoming racism which is a you know objectively a noble artistic pursuit but it, he was so hilarious <laughs> and he was such a goof and a goon and just oh. e everything that you could possibly imagine like he was like a a one-off episode from Friends. Always Sunny or something? Or like, yeah, cheers. Any given sitcom, like, he could have walked in and been perfect in. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, you know, for all the bad faith they did, like, it did kind of work. Like, I was always kind of rooting for him, even when he was being a bit of a racist. I, I loved him and I th thought he was so endearing, but maybe not in the most respectful way that... No, not at all, I no. felt the, um... I, I felt the kind of the, the train coming towards me of the serious film and it did happen. And because I walked in with a kind of disregard for the legacy of this film because of the poor reviews, I was just like, I would happily just watch two to six hours 
of Tony Vallelonga just being a goofball, mm. winning hot dog eating competitions. I'll tell you what, I did actually have a, a reservation that I thought I was going to bring up, and I actually don't feel happy bringing up now. I really thought he was going to be sort of wisdom from the, you know, wisdom of idiots sort of character. Yes. And there were a right. couple of moments of that. They were nowhere near as bad as I thought. I think now is a good time to establish that I'm not saying that I think that this like I learn anything from this movie and you know I think that it probably fell below what maybe it was marketed as possibly not what it was created for but yeah I I did actually think it was fine I thought it was funny I just I I mean it was I expected it to be way worse trying to heavy-handedly like teach me a lesson and it's not that it never did those things and there were some real laugh out loud moments even the central premise I think that they thought that the idea that instead of it being because we've seen the movie before where it's like, oh, black people, white people. Oh, the white guy's going to learn something from the black guy. This time, their attempt to kind of turn that on his head was to be like, oh, now this time it's the black guy who's really uptight. And he's going to learn something from the kind of nitty gritty working class white guy. Oh, I was about to say, it felt, it felt more like a class tale at, that, at this point. It was more like, oh, mm. look what the uh, the upper classes could learn from the, the earthy, the earthy uh, you know, working class America. That, that doesn't mean to say that we thought it was profound but it was funny. No, no. And it was... no, 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 I'm never saying it's profound. That's the thing. It almost felt. Of course. That's what made it feel strange. Is it was almost like it was a film that had won Oscars and was like being touted as a you know not if not. I mean, there are some people when you look at the comments, there are people who say like every American should see this film. Yeah. Like there are ridiculous people, but it's like. <laughs> Other than like some uncomfortable portrayals of racism in the Deep South, I could literally see like the the times where Nick Balalonga would have been sat down with his father and like would have told him these stories because they are funny stories. A man who worked nightclubs, seeing a world he was never two worlds that he was never going to see. Like he saw, you know, the, the racist stuff he'd never been to, and he saw the world, yeah, concert piano. I, I, ju- I just liked how. I guess that there's just no way to put this kind of thing to film without it being silly, but they, they certainly didn't seem to think so. But like when they were listening to the radio, and like we've established that Tony is racist, not past the point that he won't work for someone, which I don't know, I don't know how virtuous that is. But um, is you know they're sitting there, they're listening to the radio, and he's like, "What do you mean you don't know Chubby Checker?" Well, Chubby Checker, well, all of these guys, these are your people, man. And they seem to think it's worthy of note that he understands the pop music that's predominantly made by black people more than Don Shirley does. And then, again, with the fried chicken, fried chicken solves all racism, really drove me absolutely right around the hell of Skeleton I was laughing yeah, my yeah. ass off. The idea that Don Shirley wouldn't have known who Aretha Franklin was... Indeed. Was, ...was pretty insane. What's the gentleman called? Um, He was in Moonlight and then he's in this. It's something Ali, but he's... Um, um, Mashiala Ali. Mashiala, yeah. He was he was so otherworldly that it could only be comical, because like when they're eating the chicken, it's just like, but but how do we eat it if we do not have plates and yeah. utensils? Yeah, where are my utensils? He's like, I do yeah, not you wish eat it to... off the bone. What are you going to... Or... You throw it out the window over there. I know that Don Shelley had a throne, but the fact he is sitting on a... The, the throne itself would have been fine. It's the fact the throne was on a little plinth that put him, <laughs> that put him like a good half a foot above Vigo Mortison that broke and he, me. And he's throne, already fine. taller than him. Yeah, exactly. He's already he's... way taller than him. It's like because at that point, like even if that, even if that is like a recre a recreation of Don Shelley's apartment, I would yeah. skip the plinth because 
the visual of language of cinema makes it look so dumb and so obvious. I'm gonna, I, I tell you, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow through fried chicken to its yep. logical endpoint and then like dispose it. of it. But the, it was just, I thought it was funny. They established it was this one of, it was the classic scene. It's like, oh, you know, you gotta enjoy yourself sometimes. You know what? You, you know, you gotta let go of your sensibilities. And eat, eat every eat, meal eat. like it's your last. <laughs> yes, following one of the. The, there's a few scenes of Don Shirley actually being beaten up in racially aggravated attacks. Ser- serious change of pace, a very serious moment. And then right. in the next scene, they were at a house that he was performing at. And obviously I was still feeling the pain and sadness at having seen something so brutal. And yet then it was like, and so because we've consulted with the local people who are of, I don't know, like Don Shirley's race, like some super racist shit, they were like, we've decided to make some food that he'll appreciate and oh, they'll like, God, pull yeah. the thing off and it's fried chicken, fried chicken. and sweet corn and yep. fucking Tony just looks at him and he's like yeah I fucking told you that's your shit man and then- yeah I, I thought that was quite a good one because Don Shirley's reaction was quite muted it was like he sort of like sighed a bit and like looked down and he was trying to be supportive and so there was like quite a nice little confluence of emotions there but what a fucking ridiculous scene and I could have I could have forgiven it if obviously you know part of the resolution where they finally go to that bar instead of playing at the house you know you can see them and they they, they order and eat fried chicken and drink whiskey and I just I thought what what a bizarre thing to double down on as being, you know, your kind of resistance into compromise into acceptance. That being the motif, fried chicken of all things. Insane. And what, like, again, like, is the sort of thing that only I think a man who was told stories by his crazy old dad yes. could have could have then written into a film. And obviously, I guess, have been influential enough to say, yeah, no, keep that in. That's great. Um, I really liked, by the way, the the bit he obviously um, Don Shirley goes on the very specific rant about um, piano players who put whiskey on the piano, and I love when yes. he sits down at the piano, he takes the whiskey off. But what I love more than that is Vigo laughs at that, like we're supposed to. Like it wasn't enough to let the audience just be like, ah, it's like Vigo's also got to be there, like ah, he did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was really, it was like a weird, like yeah, an, an actual audience surrogate. I was, it was very. That, I'd not, I don't think I, I can't remember seeing that before. That was new. <laughs> it was, it was one of my, I'll, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll jump back into kind of the meta context of it. But um, while I think it's hilarious and stupid that this won a Best Picture, I think that of almost all Best Picture winners. And while I may not have enjoyed it for the same reasons as they did, exactly like you say, you know, Viggo Mortensen as Tony cracking up at him removing the whiskey. I mean, and, and you know what? Another moment I really liked from that same scene was that. Don Shirley had come through this whole character arc where, right or wrong, however you feel about it politically, whether or not you think it's offensive, I'm open to all of those things, but just in the context of the film, he found himself feeling separated from what may be described by the characters in the film as his own people. And, you know, there's a scene where they stop the car and he sees the people working the fields and he he says, if I'm not black enough, if I'm not white enough, if I'm not rich enough, if I'm not poor enough, then what am I? That's fine. But so... The resolution to that is they end up at this bar where, you know, he plays the piano and he plays some rock music and he plays some jazz music. And so I was like, oh, okay. But the movie even undercuts its own thing by having them walk outside. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you know, these are your people, Don. This is what you got to have. But then when they're walking towards the car, Viggo Mortensen, Tony, like pulls out his gun and fires it in the air because people are waiting to jump them. It was funny, but it was also like, it was almost like the movie was saying, yeah, you know, it's good. It's good to hang out with your own, but don't fucking trust people at these bars because they'll fucking kill you. See, I actually kind of liked that, but that's fair. I can understand why you wouldn't because it was definitely going against it. But 
I think maybe I interpreted it. It's more complex than that. That they'd sort of like reconciled that it was because I don't like films that like deify the poor. I think that's yes. very conceited. And mm. I and I liked that they'd been in a rough place and that they'd had a good time and proved that you could have a good time, but still shown the other side of it. And and so I, I guess I gave it the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, all right, it's just it's trying to not be black and white. You know, I'll I'll tell you what, mate. You've um. That's really you really talked me round because I, I as I said the comedy for me came from no it was it was because it was ridiculous also the way yeah. sorry the way the gun scene is presented is ridiculous because he just pulls it out you don't know they're there <laughs> he just pulls it out and they like run from there I think it would have been better if there'd been like them. an establishing shot where he'd seen them leave the bar because then it wouldn't have seemed so insane but I agree it ran like a comedy because they just scamper see maybe it's just because I've seen too many of these heavy-handed movies about racism I thought it was funny because it undercut what would have otherwise been what I would expect from a cliche storytelling arc that I don't even like that much. But you're right, you're right. It did make it more real that even though they'd had this situation, Tony taught him that you still need to be on your guard. I mean, they introduced a lot of characters and a lot of different concepts in this. Which was your, which made you most uncomfortable? Which made, which was the one you remember the most? Was it the KFC or? Hmm. Um, no, because I, I think KFC was just beyond parody. I mean, he was enjoying the idea that there was. I will say one thing that I was, I was, I was actually going to lean into this, but um, sometimes, sometimes I felt like within the interactions with Don and. Tony. Tony actually couldn't put a foot right. Not that this was the overarching point of the movie, but I felt like there was some conflict there. But only today have I kind of thought about it more and realised sometimes when I felt like Don was being unfair to Tony. Actually, mm. of course he was, because he was a human being and he had his own shit going on. So He had a very particular way of operating, and I think, like with his brother, he like overthinks things a lot and... Mm. He doesn't just let people be. I think there's always a. He always has to apply a meta narrative to that action, and so mm. I think. And, and I again, think like I, by the way, yeah. like I, I only grew to like this film in like the last forty minutes. Like the first hour and a, as like two, hour and twenty, as I told you, was quite painful. <laughs> And so it's only with the benefit of hindsight that I could look back on some of those interactions. At the time, I was not having a good time. <laughs> well, I mean, well, this is because I was, I was laughing, or I was like tutting, or I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake! But the problem is, is I walked into it thinking that it was going to fail with, with that stuff. So the scene I'm referring to, right, is when um, Don gets arrested at the YMCA for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's been. I don't know if he was having sex with a man, or I don't know if they were, you know. I don't know if it was heavy petting or nothing, that's none of my business, but um, Tony shows up and he bribes the police officers, and then when Dawn is like, those people were judging me, and their judgement was wrong, and you rewarded them for it. What I thought at the time was that I completely agree with they were obviously horrible bigots, but unlike some of the other things that had happened, it was actually, and this is awful, I want to be very clear, just this is absolutely awful, but it was actually illegal to practice what they would have said at the time was sodomy in that era and for that reason i think that while it was terrible that he was arrested tony couldn't have really got him out of that situation in any other way oh agreed i does mean does that make sense to you even, like it was yeah the the rules that the south i think they were in the south at that point were they or were yeah, they just yeah, like, yeah yeah the rules that the south set out meant that like that was i mean yeah i what what other way is there like yeah the the cult like the sort of like the socio yeah, like everything was working against Don Shirley in that scene, and yeah, what was he supposed to just sort of like moralize his way out? But again, I hey, listen, that... you know, I mean, it's some brotherly love over there. They ain't yeah. gonna be having no kids or nothing. I mean, come on, like the, they're not gonna the say. The end of the days, he's a human beings, and I think <laughs> you should let him go. Well, they're thank not just you. Be like, you're right. I was wrong there. So, do you remember when the cellist tells him that 
like the the bomb is dropped that Don Shirley wanted to take this tour. There was his yes. idea. Yeah. So I think in in like that moment, he likes to take a stand, and he likes, like he says, he likes to go through things with dignity, and he doesn't like to compromise. Mm. So I guess that's an instance of him doing that. But I agree. I agree that it's it's so ridiculous and so sort of like ideological or like an inflexible. It, at, the, at that moment, you're like, oh, he's not really acting like a human being. No, I, but, I agree. But I also I like you know based on what you said earlier, I also want to meet you halfway in that even though. It doesn't seem that way, you know. At has the in the context of his character as portrayed in this movie, he might just refuse to accept that that was the situation. You know, it's that thing yeah, where no, it's definitely. like uh, you live does, as but... if you live as if you live in the world that you know is correct, and then when you know you're you're brought down by the establishment for it, even though that's happening, you just refuse to accept its legitimacy. But yeah, I thought that Tony was Tony was really helping him out. I did really like the gag where he was like. Didn't I fucking tell you to not go no place without me? And it's like, I thought that you would want this to be the exception. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe the, 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 the criticism there is, and again, maybe this is more on us than them. I don't want to put it all on them, but that could have been communicated better that that's why he was doing that. Like, you can definitely, like, yeah. set it up in that scene that he is being ideologically inflexible. Whereas it just comes off as, like, maybe he doesn't didn't understand the gravity of his situation maybe he's mm. a dumbass like it could have been communicated that he didn't think they deserve it because he is so not a pragmatist yes uh, that he was unwilling to give ground to even the people who literally had him over a barrel as far as the most uncomfortable stuff is obviously the birmingham situation we we all know about the quite well i mean literally explosive uh, racist history of like Birmingham and stuff I, I mean it was just it was sad that he'd gotten that far into the tour I think the disparity between how happy they were to receive him and their insistence that he stay in a cupboard yeah I mean that, yeah, that made me uncomfortable I thought the bit earlier where all of the drivers had to stay outside and I know that Tony was gambling with them and stuff but that was that was depressing uh, yeah can't can't try on the clothes from them I really didn't I really loved the like the fake smiles and like the the lines that mm. they weren't willing to cross, I thought that was a, one of the film's real strong points, and why I really enjoyed the last forty minutes. I think probably my one, weirdly enough, my favorite one was the one you didn't mention, which was the uh, the on. outhouse. I really enjoyed that. I, I oh know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was, and then like I really liked the line where there's like driving back, and he's like, "Oh, you could go in the woods." He's like, "Animal go, animals go in the woods." He's like, "Well, I would go in the woods." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because what? Well, yeah, you're like animals go in the woods, and he was like, "I go in the woods." But then earlier they kind of established he's like. You can, but you don't have to. I don't want to have to, and I feel like I might have to. And with the when he was gambling with the uh, all of the black drivers outside the house, uh, even though it maybe wasn't necessarily fair of Don Shirley because he was trying to make him learn elocution before he came into the house, he was just like, you had a choice to be inside or outside. They didn't have a choice. And I think that that led into the, you know, animals go in the woods. You might f- yeah, be yeah, okay no, with going yep. in the woods, but I'm not okay with going in the woods. Yeah. Definitely. Well, that's and yeah, that's the thing. Like to- Tony, or to Don Shirley, it appears like Tony does have a choice, whereas Tony, I guess, either doesn't feel like he has a choice or has accepted his lack of choice, hmm. um, or his, I guess, his choice. And I think that's that's what I really liked about. And again, like there's is a really uncomfortable and probably poorly handled scene, but I kind of got what they were going for when Tony starts saying that he's more black than than Don Shirley. I don't think that was the right language for it. I really, I, I really agree because it was as soon as he said that, as soon as he said that line, mm-hmm. I really turned off to the scene because yep. any any other language, I, I just and obviously you know this guy, he's not a. He could have even just said, "I'm more oppressed than you," or like you know, "I have it harder than you." Like 
it didn't yeah, need yeah. to be I'm more black than you. It's just like I'm poorer than you. I I you know you talk like you're the underclass. I'm the one who you know I don't yeah. live in the palace. It didn't need to say I'm blacker than you. And I get that that's maybe the like you said they're real people. That might have been the language used. I don't think they probably went into that. And I don't think even if they did, you needed to frame it like that because I think you can frame it better. So like what you said, I don't think when the writers wrote that line, they thought, oh well, that's how Tony would have expressed himself. He would have said, I'm blacker than you. No, I don't think that's what happened. I just don't think that they thought about it enough. And I, I think that it would have. This is a story, and there are a thousand of other ways that Tony may have said that line. Yeah, if you know, if he needed to turn it into a class thing or even a talent thing, because he, you know, because he said later in that whole soliloquy, he was like, you know, I fucking do this, I ride the bus, I, do, you know, I do all of that stuff, and it could have been more about the fact that Don Shirley was very talented yep. rather than him just saying I'm blacker than you. Like it could have been a whole thing about how, you know, Tony all he it's it's that great bit from the end of that otherwise average movie Train Spotting Two, where <laughs> um, Begbie says smart cunts like you like everyone you know you've always got something going but what about men like me we have to take what we can with our hands and our fists and it you know it could have been that but it, yeah it really it really put the fucking skids on it when he was like i'm fucking blacker than you over here i like my chicken and stuff it could have been really interesting if it had mm. just been handled slightly differently obviously like yeah like the writing directing team behind this is really strange and i, I do yes. think they probably became greater than the sum of their parts in making this not like academy award winning greater than the sum of their parts but of course things seemingly <laughs> fell together quite quite nicely for them I, I found it really interesting because they did a plot beat which was exactly the same as home alone where <laughs> he, he wasn't the i know that you watched that recently with me for the first time which was a very special moment for me but um when he's like uh you know i haven't spoken to my brother for a while you know whatever there's a situation and then vigo Tony says that, you know, there's a lot of lonely people out there that are just waiting for someone else to make the first move. And that's the same as the snow shoveler in Home Alone who hasn't spoken oh, to his son for ages. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> and the the only reason I bring that up is because in my head, like that was just almost like a dim light bulb just went, oh, that's a, um, what's his name? That's a John Hughes beat. And then the end of the movie, when they were like, oh, I got to make it home for Christmas Eve. And I obviously, you know, slow train to Conclusion Town, but I was like, oh, obviously don shirley will be alone and then want to spend it with him but that's also the ending of a john hughes movie planes trains and automobiles because <laughs> john candy ends up going for christmas with steve martin because he doesn't have a family so that's my that's my trivia i that's saw really, into the, really, the hack that's, mind that's really good i i can i can only imagine that um nick Vallelonga was fresh off a john hughes binge exactly <laughs> when he penned th- this probably grew up on those movies but so how did you feel about the ending i thought that like yeah the last challenge in the south was was fine and nice mm. i i like again like a bit it was a bit trite but i liked i called it obviously as i think it was fairly obvious but i liked that the police officer that pulled them over last just wanted to help them yeah well that was a really nice scene yeah i guess it, if anything i'd say like the ending was weirdly formulaic compared to the rest of the film compared to what mm. a mad ride the rest of the film was like yeah, you sort of you could tell that he was going to end up spending Christmas there. You could tell he was going to drive him back because he became too tired. I thought that was, of course. that was fine and nice. Yeah, it, it sort of resolved quite normally. I, I quite liked. I don't. I don't know what he was trying to tell us. I guess it was just trying to set the mood. But I liked that, like the guy, the pawn shop guy came around at the end, and they were all like ribbing him and stuff. Like that little like Italian Christmas dinner scene was was quite charming. Uh, the little conclusion to the love letter thing was was charming. It was a nice reason. Nice. Uh, ending to make that whole thing worthwhile because that was kind of weird as well. I was bait. I was baiting you into this, mate. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, 
I, I laughed my ass off at that just because when they first started doing that, um, Tony was, well, it was just so like, obviously not him. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, and that's the thing. Like, it really this was where they failed the screenwriters because it really undercut whatever they were trying to deliver to me emotionally. Yep. Because Tony, Tony was like, you know, I've I just finished eating my salad. Uh, you are hot. Um, it's very, very hot on this day also. And Don Shirley's like, you've got to talk about the beauty of the fields and the trees. And he would just write them, but with no input from Tony. Yep. So it's not like Tony ever said, oh, you know, I can't find the words over here. You know, I ain't so good with those. Like, hey, Doc, he just, throw me a word. But he just put words in his mouth for him. And like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get dark here or anything. But, you know, you've got no reason to believe from Don Shirley's point of view that his relationship with his wife is even good. Like, it yep. could have been really bizarre for her. You know, she could have been well, like... Well, this a... man's clearly quite violent. And, um... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you for saying it for me. It could have been bizarre for her being like, oh, thank God my abusive husband, possibly abusive husband, is away for two months and now I'm receiving weirdly eloquent love letters from him. But when she was like, oh, thank you for helping with the letters, it was like, well, if you knew he was helping, then, I mean, he wasn't so much helping as he was dictating. I mean, does it really mean anything? I thought I guess it was entertaining. It wasn't saying. I guess. I guess what I, because I, I thought about this afterwards as well. I guess what she thought is that it's sweet that he would ask him for help. I know he didn't, but she's got mm. no way to know that. So I guess she thought it was just like sweet that the two of them were creating something for her. But yeah, yeah like you said, she has no way to know that it was just him dictating it. <laughs> and whatever what that says about uh, Tony Vallelonga, I've got no idea. Pro- the problem with this being an Oscar-winning film, the problem with this having had so much debate, is that everything's got to mean something. And I'm honestly not sure most of it does. I think um, that's a really yeah. good way of putting it, man. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, so so much of this can easily just be explained as just like one man's recollection of a really weird year and it was a this film shows that it shows that it's two months it was actually a year they spent on tour with a movie like this and with all sorts of movies i've seen like i always wonder how i'd feel about it much like you just said if let's just say that there are some movies that i'm the only person i know has seen mm-hmm. like the only person in my social group broadly until i met fucking psychopaths like you and you know it could it could mean whatever I decided it meant because there was no outside context. Yep. It was just this and beautiful like isolation. A, exa- yeah, exactly. And a movie like Green Book is one of those movies because we we had a really good time watching it. Like we were laughing a lot. Sometimes at it, sometimes with it, often at it. But it's just uh, even a lot of the laughing at it came from the context of it trying to be something and knowing that it had this prestige behind it. And it it would have been different. Like if this was obscure. Like, let's say they just completely skimped out on the marketing budget and no one mm-hmm. saw it except for no, us. No, no award push. Like. We'd, we, yeah, we'd, we'd be pissing ourselves. We'd be we'd be recommending it to everyone. Yeah, I um, would be we'd, like, we'd also really be weird films of truth in it. They'd be like, yeah, there's there's some things to it that are actually surprisingly mature, yeah. like you say, with the class thing. And yeah. I'd be like, oh, do you guys, you know, is that, yeah, yeah, I'd be using it as the perfect opportunity to, you know, like brag about Don Shirley. I'd be like, well, look at what a cool little film about, uh, you know, um, comparatively... Um, compared to his contemporaries, little-known um, mm. jazz piano player. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I know I think about this a lot. I, I would love to be able to watch this film out of the context I saw it in, um, and I, I yeah, we, like I can only speculate, but I do believe that I would look upon it a lot more favorably, and mm. I think it would we would take it for the sort of the, the film that it is, which is a film about a guy who starred in The Sopranos later in life, written by a guy <laughs> who stars almost exclusively as a dumbass Italian American mobster. Yeah. 
and that just happens to involve Aragorn and Mashallah Ali. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm. It's a it's a victim of its own like a success, if you even want to call it success. Success, controversy, infamy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, infamy probably because that's the weird thing. Because technically, it's the victor. Like it has loads of awards. It made its budget. I know it didn't do particularly well, but it made its budget. Like it's a, it's a pretty much a success. For, you know, it got got the fucking one of the Farley brothers at Oscar. It got Nick Vallelonga at Oscar. Yeah, I, 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 unequivocally, it should be a success. And yet, it's a weirdly tainted film. It's sort of like almost like a pyrrhic victory. Like it wasn't, you know, they became weaker for the winning. Let's let's talk about the taint. I mean, this is the yeah. This let's is go the blow the, because let's blow the lid off of this thing. As as we said. You know, we're watching this movie once it arrived on streaming services to see if we can cash in on some kind of, you know, new monetization. No, obviously not. But um, when the movie, indeed, when when the movie came out, we were gonna see it, and then all of the reviews started arriving, and the reviews, and the think pieces, Mm. and the this and the that, and it just, you know, normally I think we're better than this, but it really switched us off watching it. Not necessarily because I, well, maybe I did, but not because I, it, it painted a picture of the movie as being quite disposable in a way that I hadn't previously yeah, thought like, it would be. Like vapid almost. Like, yeah, it was like, yes. oh, it's like, this is a, this is a nothing film. And then also it might be based on some untruths that I'm going to, yeah, fully fess up to. I fell for Hook, Glenn and Sinker. I was like, yeah, I bet they did that. Those bastards. We're so, that's the thing. We're so used to that whole you know the the biopic even though this isn't a biopic because biopics are unanimously shit and this was pretty decent but the biopic always misrepresents and always annoys the living relatives whereas yeah um we we believed when we read that the family the surviving family of don shirley uh said that it was awful and um all of these things like tony always resented driving him and he was always racist and they were never friends and yeah, you know, the headlines build up and you just believe these things implicitly. And we were wrong, weren't we, Aaron? Because yes. we did some research ourselves, as we always do after we watch a movie. And how deep did this rabbit hole go? It was actually quite depressing. Why don't you fire away? Yeah, so after so after I watched, during that first part, I was like, oh, I'm going to start doing some research. Because again, like, I was seeing a film that was, you know, it was it claimed to sort of like have like sort of like white saviour or be like white centric. Yes, and while it was White Savior, that was a big one. And while yeah. it was obviously told from like Tony's perspective, he was—he wasn't, you know—he was no paragon. He was the opposite. He looked ridiculous. Like even if Vigo hadn't put on all that weight, he—he he would like the portrayal alone would have made him look insane. But with the weight, he just looked like a deranged maniac. Um, the la- with the largest breast of chicken you've ever seen in exactly. his mouth, constantly eating, yeah. and obviously at that point you start to feel like a little bit of a sucker, and so you got to give yourself some knowledge. And I was looking into it, and I actually found o- uh, audio clips. Uh, so obviously the big thing is that Don Shelley's family said that this film wasn't representative of their relationship, and that he always held him as an employee. Yes. Um, and there's actually there's audio footage that I have tried to verify, and I've verified against other footage of Don Shelley that I've seen and listened to. And it does sound like him, and it seemingly is officially sourced. Certainly, the Farley, the well, Farley, who Peter Farley, who spoke to Don Shirley, and like got his uh, consent for this film and told him about the contents of this film, who mm. literally says that he was a friend and that they didn't have an employee-employer relationship. In his in his own words. Yeah, like, and so you know, it's crazy. And so, therefore, I can only assume that there is some sort of like 
I guess, would you call it like political? Um, some sort of political motivation behind the the Shirley family's denunciations of this? I th- I th- I would put it in the same camp as I put the Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in America thing. I think it's kind of. I know that they didn't have loads to gain, but obviously you speak. To, so let let's the worst common denominator, which is you speak to journalists on this kind of thing, and you get some money. But also, That's even if thinking. you take, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you can, on, there might be more. There you go. You can put it down to that, but you can also just put it down to you didn't really know what you were talking about. But you know, if you were estranged, as a lot of the record seems to show, yeah, indeed, uh, from a incredibly successful family member. I mean, there are other parallels. There's a lot of data on this where you try to act as though, or you believe that you were more knowledgeable about them and their lives than you thought you were. Yeah. And you know it could especially have, it could if you weren't consulted on. on especially if you weren't consulted on it and the only people consulted on it were the family of the other guy and like the people involved in the other guy's camp like peter farley yes. and like nick vallelongo who don Shirley spoke to and also spoke to and said do not talk to anyone about don't talk to anyone from my family about this and don't talk to anyone about this so that's like, that's really worth picking up on what you just said there just to be very very clear nick vallelongo son of tony son of god spoke to don shirley yes he he spoke to don he spoke to don shirley about this and you know corroborated some of the stories from his dad and you were telling me i mean i I heard the audio clips and i looked into some of this and really called bullshit on the family's testimony but you were saying that some of the very specific scenes from this movie were also what came straight from the dad and were corroborated would you mind um putting out some of those not only from the dad from don in some of those audio clips like one of those audio clips is him literally talking about the the kennedy phone call i think um oh nice and uh, so yeah like they are the 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 yeah the the it seems to line up and it's like where else would they have got this from except from these two men like it doesn't doesn't make much sense otherwise like Nick Vallelonga's not going to invent the Kennedy phone call. No, no, um, he's not. Exactly. And yeah, like so, so I mean, obviously, and again, like some of it were definitely filled in blanks. Like I, I, I can like I can obviously imagine the KFC thing is a, a dramatization, and that's fine. If they didn't get, I just want to say, if they didn't get loads of money from KFC for that, that's <sighs> embarrassing. I really hope they did. Yeah. And again, does KFC? I mean, if I pitched that to a KFC, I would, I would, I would avoid that. I'd be like. KFC cannot support this uh, this venture. I don't know if I was KFC and you span it at me in the right way and explained that KFC cured racism, I'd be like, "Fucking yes." Ah, true. They'd be like, "Finally, we've been waiting for this. We always had a theory that it was going to cure racism, <laughs> like tick it off the list behind like curing cancer." <laughs> like, the the heading of the list is just Colonel Sanders' drunken claims. <laughs> he would make absurd claims like he invented the question mark and his oh. chicken would cure cancer. My chicken will cure cancer. <laughs> no, like, yeah, I um yeah no I I think it's I don't want to you know I never want to say they won but they did kind of win. I mean they duped us. They do, the narrative of this film is now their narrative about how it misrepresents or it, it portrays a friendship that didn't exist. A friend, which sadly enough seems to be a friendship that maybe did exist, maybe not. They did. You know, they like, did. They did win because it wasn't just wasn't just the Guardian. It wasn't just the Independent. It was everywhere because it's good news. It's yeah. good news even if you're on the right wing or on the left wing. Yeah. Because if you if can you're on the left wing, it, it, you can be like, eh, look at that. Exactly. It either it either confirms a narrative about how these movies are made. Mm-hmm. And or or it's just funny because it involves a lie, but it yep. wasn't a lie, and I I think that that's what I found so upsetting about it because we we were this is the this is the thing we need to be as clear as possible about. This wasn't the best movie I've ever seen. Far no. from it. It was it was decent. Uh, often at times I thought it was ridiculous, but actually finding out that it was more accurate than I ever would have given it credit for, it made me realise that I was really viewing a lot of it with uh, 
the ideological goggles, as it were. I was like, oh, well, obviously this didn't happen. Oh, well, obviously this is just how the script needs to be written yep. to give like the balance of the characters. Like Cyn- the Kennedy phone call. Cynicism know? won the day. And it was, yeah. They, yes. We were so willing to, we so we wanted to believe the lie. And so we did. Mm. And I, yeah, that, that upset me. But it's good because I'm, I tell you what, if, if for no other reason, I'm really happy I watched this because now I know what I believe to be the truth and what it seems to be a more convincing truth. And if if that can help portray, and again, like especially given the contents of the film, it makes it all the more tragic. It's like this is literally what Don Shirley supposedly undertook this tour to try and stop. Like he mm. he wanted to clear up this sort of thing. And in in like I said, it's unfortunate he's not around to. But then equally, I guess he could, you know, being a stranger in his family as he supposedly was, I guess he could never have known that they'd have reacted that way like mm. i guess you'd be like oh they'll just you know they might I guess, I guess guess they won't care they don't care about me or they barely care about me yeah i mean that, that they made me kind of upset and again as well especially for yeah for the two of them because again like i don't believe that they had some sort of grand arcing friendship from the way they that they both talk about it it's just like they had a really interesting and quite uh transformative spirit experience in the south and then stayed in contact as people do invested and that's people interesting. have people have crazy years with each other i yeah, mean exactly. I, I, I almost feel like i have to say it again i just think the the context around the the lies or maybe the misinformation that's been spread about this movie mm-hmm. make it that's what makes it so interesting because he found out that there was a real story there about like real friendship that doesn't necessarily mean that you know we sat down, watched Green Book, cried our eyes out, decided that we changed as people or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. none, of, none of that happened. Nope. You know, we've seen this movie before. We did, it, it was still good. It was functional. It was funny. It was mm-hmm. stupid a lot of the time. And then it really kind of... I mean, you, you can't really... As, as long as you treat it respectfully, as you said earlier, you can't avoid the gravity of moments where someone's just simply not allowed to eat in a room for no good reason whatsoever. Yeah, it's, so it's powerful stuff. And it's, I mean, it's really easy as well. But that's what I mean, but it's powerful. It's easy like. and powerful. <laughs> and like, yeah. So, so we're, we're not saying it was powerful because they put it together Masterfully. and spent loads of time on it. Exactly. But <laughs> it, it's, it's obviously powerful subject matter. I don't want to be too cynical. I don't just, we, we thought that we were just going to think it was hilarious yeah. and dumb. And dumb. And that's the thing I was expecting. I was expecting just a film that took itself too seriously I was expecting a film that, um, you know, that, yeah, that wasn't that good, that uh, that thought it was, like, better than it was. But it, I don't think it really did. I don't think it thought it was, yeah, I don't think it thought it was better. That's a really interesting fact. I, I don't think, people said it was, like, moralizing and stuff. I, I guess in, in a way, but not in, like, nowhere near the extent that people people made it out to be. You've literally hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It, may, it may even be worse. I don't know how you're feeling, but it may be worth even ending on this just because yeah. uh, the, the, the movie disrespected itself knowingly and yeah. disrespected its characters that's too I mean, it's much. such a tonal, tonal shift wasn't it there was just like yeah. Yeah, we, we went yeah yeah definitely wow that's a weird one it was it was never gonna it was never trying to be driving miss daisy and it was also <laughs> never gonna let itself be driving miss daisy even though people have said that about it they made tony oh, too vulgar there have. was too much throwing soda bottles out the window there was too much petty theft too much kfc <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly and too much delight over kfc and i mean you know i think the movie knew it wasn't a massive bridging moment but i think it it was laughing because for tony it was for him to be sharing kfc with don shirley and mm-hmm. yeah i'm happy we saw this one i honestly didn't think i was gonna be and that fucking hell while watching i especially didn't think i was gonna be but oh, join us for joker thanks for joining us uh, let us know on youtube 
on Spotify, whatever, what you thought about Greenbook, because I want to hear people talk about this. This is weird. weird and especially, especially if you hate it. We want to hear about it if you hate it, yep. in light of the information that we've just kind of dug up for you. But only, in ha- only hate it if you've seen it. Don't do what we did and hate it before you've seen it, because that's no, dumb, course. as it turned out to be. Forgive, it, forgive us our sins. We've cool. been checked for traps. This was great. Thank yeah. you. See ya. Mm. Like and subscribe.